Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey everyone, happy October and welcome to another minisode here at Feelin' Film. I'm Patch, and with me, ready to take on the powers of evil and darkness, is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Hello, Pumpkin Patch. <laughs> nice, I like that. The Patreon donors have voted, and by a landslide, the Monster Squad came out on top, much to my delight. Not this your chagrin? A, not my chagrin. I was informed earlier today that I was misusing that word, <laughs> as I am prone to do from time to time. <laughs> I thought so, you were just trying to write, much much to my grin. Like, you know, it made you grin when Monster Squad won. Well, it did make me grin, but I should have written something else down, which I did. I did delight instead. So in any case, I was happy that Monster Squad won, and I was glad that it won by such a large margin, which tells me that there will be people listening to this episode. Yay. I like it when people listen to our episodes. <laughs> well, let's get right into it. Uh, this is, of course, like all of our episodes and minisodes, very much filled with spoilers, although it's a 90-minute movie that has, let's just call it what it is, very little depth and substance. It's just a lot of fun. So we're going to be spoiling pretty much the whole thing. Um, but if you haven't seen it, we encourage you to check it out. Currently, as of this episode, it is on Amazon Prime for all you Prime members out there. And, uh, you know, give it a give it a shot. Give it a give it a view and then come back and enjoy the conversation with us. With that being said, let's drop right into our one word takeaways. Aaron, kick us off. All right. Well, my one word takeaway is Nards. Yeah. <laughs> and the only reason I, I went with Nards is because wolf dork was two words i realized and not, it's not hyphenated, it's not no, hyphenated. i, I could have gone with a hyphenated wolf dork i really wanted to but i'm gonna go with nards no here's here's the reason instantly anybody who's actually seen this movie probably understands what i'm getting at for me this movie boils down to a whole lot of funny dialogue and kind of cheesy situations it is 80s to the core Absolutely. It is a Goonies-like team-up situation for kids. It's a blast. And the thing is, that the, what everybody remembers about the Monster Squad, the, when you bring this movie up in conversation, it's like it's like if you bring up the Princess Bride, Patrick, mm -hmm. and you're at work. Somebody inevitably is going to be like, as you wish. Right. Because that's the reflection point for nerds to, you know, realize that you have something in common about this movie. Well, anytime you mention the Monster Squad, if somebody else has seen it, they're going to go, Wolfman's got nards. Yep. So to me, that's that's it. Like That's my takeaway is that this movie and the cult following that has become what it is generated from it is largely around that one ridiculous <laughs> sentence, man. That's my you're, one word takeaway. You're exactly right. And I remember vividly, and rem tried to remind myself today when I was doing final prep for the minisode, I remember the trailer specifically calling attention to that line, to that pivotal line. And I said, is that for sure? Did I remember that? So, of course, YouTube being what it is, the eBay of all things video related, like if you're thinking about it, it's probably on YouTube. I, of course, queued it up. And sure enough, the very last line of the trailer was, Wolfman's got nards. And I'm like, yes, he does. But what I love about it 
is the stuff that leads up to that moment. There's so much about the movie that is just hilariously entertaining. And the word that I pulled from this was clever. And I think for me, I feel like the Monster Squad is a very clever movie. It has a clever tone, the way in which we're introduced to the cast and these universal monsters has just a cleverness to it. It doesn't you could you could say it feels cheap like a knockoff of the Goonies and I would only and I'm glad you didn't say it was a knockoff. I'm glad you could say it was Goonies ass because I don't think it is. I think you're talking it's about a group of kids, definitely some similarities and stereotypes. You definitely have a fat kid as opposed to chunk. You have but there's no science literally there. called fat kid. Fat kid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep and, it easy. Yeah, and in a lot of ways you have a cast of characters that didn't really go on to do a lot of big things afterwards. I think the only character, the only actor that I remember, and I don't even remember the actor's name, was the kid that played Kevin Arnold's brother in The Wonder Years, and he was only in it for maybe a couple of scenes. He's the one that, you know, beats up that kid or, you know, squashes his Snickers bar. Okay, so he's the only one I recognize too. I was trying to look yep. him up and I didn't I recognize his face from sitcoms. I guess that's where, but I didn't recognize yeah. his name when I saw yeah. The, the actor. So yeah, you're absolutely right. So in a lot of ways, this does feel like a a refitting of of that kind of thing. And the fact is, it's it's honestly not. It is about a group of '80s kids that come together and form a band of around some common interest. And that's really where the similarities end. But I like the fact that it makes that comparison to the Goonies because it is the quintessential '80s movie. It was part of a number of these movies that came out that really epitomized the Steven Spielberg world of small town gets invaded by paranormal or craziness. And the kids are the only ones that really know how to stand up to it because they have that kind of great imagination and they find clever ways to battle this evil. Um, and so, yeah, so clever was the word that that I felt like really summarize what i felt like the monster squad brought about um i'm sad that <laughs> it it comes across as one that is considered maybe a commercial failure and granted yes it is a commercial failure it spent two weeks two weeks in 1987 during the summer season at the box office and then subsequently left and went to home video which is where it got a lot of its love but what I what I learned about it is that it's definitely paying this uh, well it's attempting to pay an homage to the classic Universal Studios monsters. I mean you've got Frankenstein, you've got Wolfman, you've got Dracula. I mean you've got the big heavy hitters here. Yeah. And there's I, I read I didn't realize this because I wasn't looking for it, but they were actually altered slightly to avoid infringing on any actual copyrights really now, i don't know how that worked <laughs> i don't i don't know if interesting because they didn't say well they said dracula so I, I don't know how they got away with that but in, in any case they did and it it just oozes this geek love for its subject matter you know the director was like ah this is this is my love letter to the old universal uh monsters here and so from your perspective do you feel like it succeeds at that attempt or does it come across as just not good at all 
<laughs> yeah, it's not subtle. I mean, one of the kids is wearing a T-shirt that says, literally, Stephen King rules on it. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is <laughs> this is in your face. Uh, so it's interesting, Patrick. I watched this for the first time, I want to say last Halloween, last October. Okay. Might have been two years ago. I'm starting to get, basically ever since the podcast <laughs> and the number of films that I've been watching every year because of it, I things are a blur to me. Yeah. But it, it's been in the years since the podcast. Um, and it was because you mentioned it, or it came up in a, in a post somewhere on our Facebook group, and somebody was talking about it. And I remember vividly like, you telling me you really liked it. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's usually the thing that's going to push me to pr- prioritize a movie. And so I watched it, and I was underwhelmed. And I was like, oh my, I was rolling my eyes, and I was like, yep, this is a Patrick movie, you know, like, <laughs> and this is kind of dumb. Well, I expected that going into it again. I even, I was even a little bit, I didn't vote for it. I'll be frank right up front. And I didn't do that. Um, and I was a little bit nervous about having to talk about it because I didn't love it. But when I watched it again, I found myself, I don't know, I let go. I knew what was coming and I enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's a great movie. I think it's got lots of, it could be better, but if darn it, it's fun. And so, you know, by that regard, yeah, it succeeds. I I remember actively rolling my eyes and going, oh my gosh, here we go. When I watched it the first time in that opening sequence back in the past and Dracula and they're, they're like, where is this? What is this gym? And I was trying to understand the lore and like, does it all make sense? Does it all, is it all tied together in a nice way? It's not. <laughs> There's holes. Um, this time I didn't care. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is cool. I'm excited to like see the past again now that I know what's going to come from it. Mm-hmm. So I would say because this movie is all about these kids spitting off their monster knowledge and riffing off of it throughout the whole film, using it to interact with the monsters, and like you said, find clever ways to save their town, save the world, it is a lot of fun. And frankly, people who enjoy Stranger Things this is why we have Stranger Things. Like, mm-hmm. this is the the Stranger Things that came before. It's a little funnier, and it's obviously Universal Monsters and not D&D-type creatures, but right. it's so similar. Um, it's just not quite as you know, dark. Even though people die, I was surprised. Like, there's some death in this sucker, too. But yeah, for me, I, I think it succeeds, man. It's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to show my kids. Yeah, it's, it's a comedy through and through with a little bit of dark here and there. And... And at times I feel like some of the darkness kind of misrepresents what I think the movie's trying to be because I don't think it ever takes itself so seriously that we go, mm, yeah, that's not true. I mean, Pete, the the little kid with the, with the amazing dog, I love his dog. Um, not Pete, the, I can't remember the, the little boys, the little kid's name, the day that they are going to fight the monsters, he in crayon writes a letter to the army guys, and I put that in air quotes, to say, come quick, there are monsters. That same night, <laughs> they're there ready to battle the monsters who are obviously been defeated. So yes, there is a whole bunch about this movie that doesn't quite line up, I think, if I'm being if I'm being kind to it. But by the end of the movie, you really don't care. Because what I think the Monster Squad does in sort of a meta way is it explores what it would be like as a kid if we were to really experience this in real life. And I feel like as I'm watching this narrative play out, I'm getting it from the mind of 
a 10 or 11 year old who's like, this is how I would play out this story. This is how my son, if he were actually telling this story, he would have these little in just out of sequence plot points like, oh, we're in the past. Okay, now we're in the future. There's rushed moments. There are, you know, hard cuts here and there. There's just a lot that's going on. But in 90 minutes, you get essentially a beginning, middle and end. And I feel like it's a really fun, like longer, short, short film. Like, obviously, it's not a short film, but I think it it feels very childlike and that's what makes it effective for me and why I enjoy watching it. Not only because it's funny, but because it doesn't take itself seriously like you would a Van Helsing or something darker like Bram Stoker's Dracula. The point of it, I think lives up to what it actually does, which is not even to make fun of itself, but to be very self-aware if that's the that part oh, yeah. of the way to say it. Oh, it definitely is. And I, I hate it. Now, every time we do these Halloween episodes, we talk about other movies. Like, you just mentioned Van Helsing and Dracula. Now I want to watch all of the vampire movies. Again. Ah, oh, Patrick. Because they suck? No, they because don't they, suck. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. That's, that was good. Blood-sucking vampire You get movies. points. You get points for that one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, this – you're right. You're absolutely right. There are things here that just get dropped. I mean, there's these dramatic tension moments of the marriage that's kind of on the rocks and then it just like, I don't know, it disappears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like where did that problem go? <laughs> did it get <laughs> solved or whatever? But there's some things like that. The the thing that sets this apart for me, it keeps it from being on something like say the Goonies level is mm-hmm. that it's not, the characters are not. Exactly. So I don't know their names. I know Rudy's name. He's the only one I know. And that's because he, he really stands out. He's the greaser, you know, He's the kind of out of out of place one that comes into the group that, you know, kind of protects the the, the kids a little bit. And he's got that special side that, that is interested in this geeky stuff. But he's got the hard exterior core that he's, you know, representing to the outside world and to everybody else. So I really enjoyed his character and I resonated with him. The, not resonated, but I, I don't know. I just locked on and was interested in him the most. But the rest of them, I, I couldn't tell you their names. Right. And that keeps it from like elevating into some special place for me, but yeah, satisfying. It, it certainly is. Well, there's definitely some value in the nostalgia aspect of it because I grew up watching this when I was a kid, my brother and I watched this together. And so there's, there's that aspect of it that brings the value to it. And I think that same value is something that Francisco and I talked about on the big trouble in little China episode about the fact that movies that fall into that cult following like your UHFs or like this, the monster squad and the value that comes from those you, it's not fair to put them on equal footing as things like interstellar or the abyss things that you are really for us emotionally invested in things that have a deeper narrative, things that let's be honest, things that have meaningful plots, things that have, memorable narratives that have memorable characters i mean even take the goonies the goonies is not a cult following it is it is a movie that has memorable moments it's got great lines it's got great characters it's got action sequences it's got all these things and it's got history to go along with it so in a lot of ways yes it's got a lot more currency to an audience it's one obviously if i were giving a recommendation over that and the Monster Squad, the Goonies is going to be the one that I pick. 
because it's got such a wide net that it can cast of of appeal for those for those types of reasons. But I don't want to discount something like the Monster Squad because I feel like it encompasses some of those great things on a slightly higher level. Like I feel like there are parts of the Monster Squad that are a heck of a lot funnier than a lot of my 80s movies that I grew up with. But the issue with, that I have with that is that there are just parts. Like it's not a full complete movie. Like I'm not thinking about line after line after line, moment after moment of this movie. I'm thinking about certain pockets that are really funny and that I love calling out. Wolf Dork, Wolfman's Got Nards, uh, Cathead. You know, these these things that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But then a week later I'm going, wait, what did they say? And the characters are the same way. Like I'm th- I'm thinking Fat Kid's the only one I can think of. EJ might be another one. Uh, Horace obviously being Fat Kid's real name. But yeah, you're right. There are not a lot of memorable moments or characters that really make this on the level of something like like the Goonies. So summer of 87, it gave us things like RoboCop, Predator, The Lost Boys, and the Monster Squad was really part of this. And I think you would agree that that's probably one of the reasons why it didn't last in the theaters. I mean, it's when you have a year of movies that you're used to like these things, it's really difficult to compete with those. Now, obviously, movies that come out are not intentionally trying to compete with those things. But I was reading online that one of the other issues that caused this to not be as successful in the theater is the rating that it was given. So I think I've had conversations with several people about how you watch a movie that's PG from the 1980s that wouldn't even get that kind of rating today. It would be more like PG-13 because of what things get away with. This had the opposite effect because of, I believe it was the virginity conversation that gave it its more edgy rating. I don't remember what the official rating was, but it limited the scope of, I think, the audience that it was intended for. But I think that the cult following that it got really elevated it for a lot of people. Do you feel like the cult following is justified? I mean, I know that's subjective, but in terms of understanding cult followings and why things are, I mean, why do you think a movie like this has that kind of cult following? Well, I mean, it's unique, I think, is the problem, is the main reason. Um, It's not something that you've seen a lot of different films do. Um, You can't point to other films and be like, oh, it's just like this. Again, you know, it's sort of like The Goonies, but that came around the same time or maybe probably before it. And then Stranger Things is another reference, but that's brand new. Um, But if you think in between all of those 30 years, I can't point to a bunch of movies that remind me of this. Yeah. And frankly – Kids' movies around Halloween time, and why I think the real reason, I think a big part of why this movie failed is because it wasn't released around Halloween. I do not understand for the mm. life of me why this came out in October. Uh, the fact, you know, you mentioned some of the movies in '87. We had RoboCop, we had Predator, we had The Lost Boys, even Inner Space, Spaceballs, and The Witches of Eastwick. All of these kind of have some similar tonage to them. And I could easily see why this slid under the radar, especially against something like The Lost Boys. And it's got. A little bit of a different rating, obviously, but it just it doesn't seem like it would play well in the summer. It's a dark movie. Mm-hmm. It's all in the dark. Like it, you put this sucker in October. Like this is the movie, Patrick, that I am upset we don't get more of because this year we got the house with a clock in its walls. Meh. We got 
Goosebumps 2, meh. Goosebumps 1 was great. Another, this is a good example of, of a movie that is like this. Um, a couple years ago, Goosebumps, when it came out, would match this. But we don't get a lot of these. And it, it would be great to have movies like this that a family can enjoy together. And so I think that's probably a part of what it comes down to. I think the yeah. other part is just the hilarious, often kind of 80s, childish, sexually humor that is used. People like that stuff. Right. You brought up a really great observation. And I think it's that we don't have more movies that put a lighthearted spin on horror. I mean, the fact is we run in different circles when it comes to the movies we like. And I think Jeremy, one of our contributors, it was fantastic in, I think, a conversation we were having with the rest of our staff when he said, oh, it's a comedy. Aaron's probably not going to like it. But I think that is the same kind of observation that people would say when they look at a horror movie. Nope, Patch isn't going to like that. It's a horror movie. And that's fine because there are movies that there, there are genres that we both gravitate towards. And I'm going to I'm going to want to watch the the airplanes and the the she's all that and the things that have kind of that not so whatever put them put them in whatever category you want to and i'm fine with that i love that the fact that you and i between the two of us we have that wide palette and so the monster squad is going to come on our radar because of me but something like a quiet place is going to come on our radar because of you and so we have this this wide net that we can cast together but I think that there's some truth in the fact that more often than not, when we think about movie monsters, something that I think is missing in today's Hollywood movie creation when it comes to horror is that people want to be scared. And that's a legitimate thing. I mean, I, as much as I don't like it, I get the appeal of having the adrenaline rush and being like having jump, being jump scared and all this stuff. But the Monster Squad, I think, epitomizes, yes, with an 80s rapper – attached to it it has the ability to give us the ability to make monsters approachable and fun and one of the great subplots of this is how frankenstein connects with this group um there's really like only one major connecting point and i think you would probably agree with me that it's the moment that he looks at his his mask but there's a tenderness that comes from that and at that that moment when he connects with them i think we connect with the overall understanding of what as an audience we're supposed to do is not only say that not all monsters have to be scary but that this whole idea of monsters being approachable and being somewhat campy i think we can enjoy monster movies without necessarily being scared all the time and I think that's missing today. I think we don't have more movies like that where terror has to be the primary selling point when it comes to horror. I mean, this is not a horror movie. It's a monster movie. And that's what I think is really missing is we don't have more monster movies that exist. I wish we did because I feel like that lends itself to a, a wider audience and maybe more mass appeal. Maybe Maybe there's not a lot of trust in that with writers and directors, but that's kind of – regrettable i wish we had more of that for sure well they tried i mean they tried last year to get one off the ground uh the dark universe is the wonderful title that they were going to go with you know we started with the mummy reboot and you see how that went um you know there they there have been attempts and it just it's hit or miss it but i think i agree i would like more i would like more 
well done ones. The, the Kong is a great example. The Godzilla movie is a great example. That mm-hmm. that universe is shaping up to be something really good. I can't wait for the new Godzilla film that's coming next year. Um, and many people, it's like one of their most anticipated movies after that incredible trailer we saw at Comic Con. So I think that you're right that we could use more. Um, I I don't necessarily think that we need more that are like this though. Yeah. I I mean, this is, to me, this is somewhat special and that's great. It's special because it is rare. Um, If you try to do this too many times, you know, it's not going to be very special anymore. But yeah, seeing these characters not in a freaking scary, terrifying manner is what makes this movie unique. Well, it's, it's what validates a lot of the comedy in it. Like it would feel weird if we had this dark horror, terrifying movie with lines like, I think science is cool. I dig it, man. You, when you have tone like that, when you have comedic timing that, that comes from a, from a movie, it's a lot more difficult to enjoy that when the rest of a movie is completely dark and overpowering and full of jump scares. I mean, you wouldn't see or hear lines like that. You wouldn't hear the word wolf dork in the conjuring. At least I don't think you would. I'm, I'm, I'm taking an educated guess and saying that probably wouldn't be happening. And that's because it's not appropriate. It would completely take you out of the narrative. And I think that you're right. I wouldn't put the monster squad as the template for this is how you should make a successful approachable monster movie. But there are parts of it that I think you can pull out and say, all right, we can use this kind of campy dialogue. We can use this production value of these monsters and add a little bit of humor here and there to create that approachability. And I think that's what for me makes the monster squad hold up personally is that approachability that I can watch it and like it and know that it is what it is because it's purposely trying to be that. Um, I don't know if you've seen the original monster movies at all. Have you seen the original Frankenstein? I have seen the original Frankenstein. So the cool thing about this subplot, which is actually my favorite part of the movie, the entire, entire subplot of frankenstein and this little girl again i don't know her name i'm sorry phoebe the phoebe Phoebe. um their relationship as they kind of become friends and it leads up to what actually is my connecting point if we had one would not be the mask um okay be a close second but it's still frankenstein related it's the moment where he's being pulled away into the portal and she's very very sad and he's very very sad and neither one of them wants to see the other one go he's he's needed um and that it's just it was kind of sad emotional but what's really cool here is that it, it does pay direct homage to the original Frankenstein because in that film, the most jarring early moment is that Frankenstein meets a little girl by the side of a lake and is playing with her and he doesn't know what he's doing and he eventually throws her into the lake. And mm-hmm. I mean, the idea is that he just killed her, right? And so for this to twist that into the same concept of a relationship that ends up in him becoming best friends with that same little girl that he, that this character murdered in his very first film was really, really cool. And I, I liked that a whole lot. One of the biggest things that stood out to me was I think the consistency of maintaining the ideas of these monsters. Uh, it's been one of the, one of the praises for this movie has been the successful, production value of each one of these like that dracula and frankenstein specifically are not necessarily accurate but they're true to their characters with that interesting twist 
and that the actor that plays Dracula has been given praise for like probably one of the he's been voted as one of the better iterations of Dracula on the big screen. I don't know in history or at the time, but I think that with Frankenstein specifically, you catch that idea with him that you you know that Frankenstein is a child. I mean, he has that simple mind. And in one instance, his original movie, he kills a girl. But in this one, that same heart, that same mind, that same childlikeness can exist in a way that creates a genuine friendship. I love seeing him learn. I love hearing him say the word bogus and and saying, I don't know, other words or whatever. But I like the fact that we have a higher production value on these. These are probably some of the better looking monsters that I've seen in in film in terms of their classicness i love the the way wolfman i think he's probably my favorite character Mm -hmm. of all these different monsters and how he's portrayed um i think that the creature from the black lagoon kind of gets the short end of the stick here um and and granted he doesn't have a lot of screen time but rebranded as gill man (laughs) yes again i guess that's probably how you get you get you get around the the copyright issue maybe it's maybe wolfman is spelled with two f's instead of one i'm not sure but i i think that those are the things that those are like the little diamonds in the rough on a movie like this that we can pull out and say hey if we're gonna make a good monster movie let's spend some time with practical effects and costumes and makeup and things like that and let's Let's find importance in origins. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when Rudy's being asked the the monster test, and he's told he's asked, "Okay, um, how do you kill a werewolf? Two ways." And he goes, "Silver bullet." And they say, "Well, okay, and what else?" He goes, "That's the only one." And they're like, "Nope." And they're like, "Okay, what's the other way?" And they're they're going, um, "Car crash, uh, hit by bees." You know, just these ridiculous things because they can't think of anything. But in that case, we're we're almost foreshadowing the showdown with with the wolfman who ex- he gets exploded and yet he still comes back but a silver bullet can kill him so i think there's a lot there in being able to um explore not explore but set up origins and strengths and weaknesses of characters and then when they get to their demise it's a lot it's, it's a cool payoff so yeah no it really is i mean wolfman was an emotional character as well I, I, his inner battle with wanting to be good and not wanting to be the wolfman and ultimately like being glad that he is murdered because he wants to be rid of this curse that's i think that's an actual like serious thing like this movie doesn't explore it in depth but it gives you enough for this movie yeah um for sure i mean shoot one of the jarring moments to me in the beginning of the film is when he's in the police station like begging for help telling him to lock him up and Dude, the cop shoots him dead for being crazy. Yeah. Do you see that? Like, before he even, like, turns into the Wolfman and starts, like, becoming a serious threat, the cop walks in and he's just like, bang, 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 bang. And I was like, whoa, dude, hold the fire. Slow down. (laughs) I mean, obviously, it ends up being, like, a good decision. But yeah. That being said, hindsight. <laughs> yeah, don't get don't get gun crazy there. Don't get triggered. I do happy. love I do love how the mummy dies. The mummy's in it for like five seconds, but I, yeah. the way that Rudy um, instinctively takes the bow and arrow and you know ties it to the mummy's wrap and shoots it to the tree and lets it unravel. I, I love that moment, and I love it too. And the reason why is because that's what a ten year old would think. We always think that we're like, 
what's under the mummy's rags? Is he is he empty? I mean, he's dead, so maybe he doesn't have bones. Maybe they're all decayed. What would happen if we took away his bandages? Well, now we know. That's what happens. <laughs> well, I'm going to finish up. I just I want to give us a chance to highlight if there's anything that stood out to you. Um, there were several moments in here that I thought were fantastic. I love intro- the introduction of the squad themselves. The The first two scenes with the two main characters in the principal's office I thought was hysterical. I love the fact that they're so matter of fact about the drawings. You know, he's like, why are you drawing pictures in class and you should be studying? And they're like, no, it's, 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 it's spider with human head. Oh yeah. He's like, he drew that. Yeah. And they're, they're like the principal's supposed to go along with this. Like it's something very important. I love that. I love the fact that our introduction to Rudy <laughs> is this cool James Dean character who lights a match on his, on his shoe while riding a bicycle. I mean, you can't get much funnier than that in a great contrast. And so we're getting these, these great introductions. I also love the, uh, the prepping montage. I love a good montage anyway, but just seeing them go through the whole day, making, uh, making stakes and stealing bow and arrows and (laughs) even making monster squad business cards. I feel like, at some point, maybe our business card should have been made that way on a copy machine and and a uh, and a paper cutter. That would have been kind of fun. But I think, uh, as I mentioned before, the demise of the Mummy and Wolfman were were highlights for me. But uh, did anything else stand out to you aside from your potential connecting point? Um, you know, some of the dialogue that we haven't mentioned, I do like. I, you know, I really like the line maybe we could be the math squad or the nature squad. It's this whole death thing. I'm not crazy about. Yeah. I enjoy the heck out of that. I thought that was just so cute and so perfect. Like that to me, that's like an, the thing about this that is appealing is we've kind of alluded to is the dialogue is authentic. It's realistic. It feels Mm -hmm. like what you would say at this age. Yeah. If you were involved in this. Um, (laughs) And I like that the end credits song I don't know if you listened to it at all, but it sounds like Turtle Power. It only, does. <laughs> only a different lyrics. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. T-U-R-T, you know, like Monster Squad Power or whatever. I don't know. But I really enjoyed that quite a bit. I, I also love the introduction of Rudy and specifically how it plays off of the bully character who then gets bullied yeah and immediately kind of gets his comeuppance yeah um i I liked that a lot and i don't know i liked the there's a a little nod here that i found interesting he and his father are talking about going to see a movie and it's called groundhog day 11 and it was a horror franchise apparently and i just found that hilarious because you know eventually later there would be a movie called Groundhog Day. And I know that this probably has no tie to this at all, right? But I just, I just, when I heard it, the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, you know, was this before or after Groundhog Day? Because how funny would that be? Um, but it, I don't know. It just, it sounds like a good title for a horror movie to me, to, especially like a series that's on its 11th installment. So that yeah. was a, a nice little joke that I enjoyed. Yeah, I thought that was great too. And I love the fact that that conversation sort of pays tribute to the ridiculousness of sequels in the fact that his dad's like, he always comes back from the grave, he always comes back from the grave. I mean, if you blew him up and sent his parts to Norway, he'd still come back from the grave. And his kid responds, that was part seven. 
And it's like, that's the truth. This is Friday the 13th all over again. When is it going to end? When are you going to start stop milking the cow? The cow is almost out of fresh milk, and we need to kill it. And uh, it's it's fantastic. I think the that, other the other line. Sorry, the other line was just re- revolving around the <laughs> revolving around the mummy's death. Um, when he says, "See you later, Band Aid Breath," and that's that might be my favorite like zinger in the entire movie. I just I, I love. I don't. I mean, it makes, it's so dumb. Like, but for me, I love non sexualized jokes and and non potty humor, and that's just a reference to what he's made of and it was like i don't know i laughed out loud pretty darn hard at that moment i love when uh i think one of my favorite lines is the the awkward conversation that rudy and i think ej i can't remember are having with his sister about her virginity and you're not a virgin well yeah i mean we get there. it doesn't count <laughs> doesn't count <laughs> but early on in the treehouse they're trying to get her to they're trying to see if she is and of course he's like he's like <laughs> you know he coughs and then he goes and then Rudy's like what your brother is so eloquently trying to say and um what essentially what I would like to know for my own personal posterity is has there been he goes just this whole dramatic like verbal thing has there ever been a, a time in your life when you may have possibly and then he goes been dorked <laughs> which I've never before then or even after that have been have referred to the act of losing your virginity or having sex as being dorked. So I, this may be unique to this universe or unique to this, this writer. In any case, it was hysterically, hysterically done. So I, I really appreciated that. One other thing before we finish up, I was going to say there's a, there's a great moment and there are pockets of these that I feel like are really great, but they're just totally not right for a movie like this where Scary German guys just talk to the the kids and he's sending them on their way after talking about this German book, Van Helsing's Diary. And I think one of the one of the guys, I think Fat Kid says, you sure do know a lot about monsters. And he goes, yeah, I, you could say I do. And there's this great shot where he closes the door and you see on his arm the the serial number. And of course, anybody who's anybody, an adult who understands about uh, world history knows obviously that he was in an, um, a concentration camp. So I thought that was really kind of cool. I thought it, for that moment, it was great overall for the tone. I don't know that it necessarily worked, but I thought, Hey, yes, I could use that at some point. That's a great little type thing. I thought it was just kind of a pocket of, of goodness there. So, well, man, thanks for this conversation. This was fun. Donors, thank you for picking this. I enjoyed uh, talking about it and watching it, obviously, so we could talk about it. But uh, if you want to continue this conversation or throw a wolf dork at me on social media, you can do so at Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. Aaron, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, in our lovely Facebook group would be the best place. Please come join that. We like new blood, especially this time of year, so we can suck it. No, I'm kidding. That did not, <laughs> not come out right. That's that's bad. Um, yeah, we're going to fade real quick now. Uh, Feelin' Film, at Feelin' Film on Twitter. F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M. No sucking required. Stop, on tw- stop, stop. Um, I, um, yeah, I'm glad you guys picked this, too. I had a lot of fun watching it, donors, so thank you for that. Oh, if you would like to become a patron and, you know, contribute to the show, we would like that, too. So you can do that at patreon.com slash film for as little as a buck a month. 
you can be a voter and help choose what movie we cover special each and every month. Thank you. This is fun. <laughs> well, that is definitely all for us. So until next time, stay positive. And keep feeling good.